Bailey, about you, about the people here that uh, are going through things, going through hurt. You know, God wants to heal your hurts. God wants to heal your hurts. But before we get into this message, there's a couple things that I would like to say. But we, as was as, as playing that song a while ago, you know, that God's going to be here for us no matter what. He is going to be here. He is going to hear your prayers. And he's going to answer those prayers. But uh, one of the things I got to thinking about as I was looking back, from the month of June up until this month, we have had five funerals. We got a lot of people hurting. Every one of the people that we've had the funerals for are connected to our church. And uh, I just got through doing one Saturday, and uh, it was for, for a young lady named Donna Harris. This is Frances Howarth's daughter. Uh, Frances is 96 years old. She has outlived two daughters and a son-in-law. I've done the funerals for all of them. Uh, we know Linda Watson, Watkins. She is still hurting from the loss of her daughter-in-law, Julie. That is a girl that I spent a lot of time with in the hospitals. Julie was very special. And Glenda is still hurting. Lynn, she just lost Harold here not long ago. She's still hurting. She's not here today, but her name is Dee, Dee Bumgardner. She lost her husband, Tip, and she's still torn herself. You know, up until she lost Tip, they never went to church. But after she lost Tip, she started coming to church. She needed the comfort. She needed the peace. She needed to know there was something there that she could lean on besides just herself. She's not here today. But she may be in Bridgeport. She's got family there, and sometimes she goes over there and goes to church with them on Sunday. But then we got Becky back here. We just lost Jimmy, our youth pastor. And I know she's still hurting, but I know she's got faith. But as I was thinking about all of these people, the hurt that's going on in, inside of them, I just kind of put together a message. And I'd like really for you to hear it. Because really it's for all of us. It's going to be that time when we're all going to go through a hurt. We're all going to have the need for that comfort of God in our lives. I need that comfort every day. I don't know about you. Every day I need God's comfort in my life. I was, I was talking with Mike, and I like I say, there's so many people, they don't even know what takes place in my life in a day's time. You wouldn't believe it. Most of the time, either if I'm with somebody, I get phone calls, I meet them, uh, talk with them, 
And some of the things that, that, that these people are going through, they're really hurting. I guess, really, it's very seldom that uh, I have what I guess I could call a day to myself. But that's okay. Because I'm serving God. And that's what keeps me going. Is knowing that I was called by God and I will serve God up to the day that I cannot do it any longer. But we have a message from Jesus. And I want to share it with you here in just a minute. But just like I was saying, I know that things have happened in your life when you have felt all alone, like there wasn't nobody there that cared about what happened to you, what you was going through. You even felt like all your friends have abandoned you, that they wasn't even there for you. You know, sometimes when things happen, even your friends abandon you. Why? They don't know what to say. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to deal with it themselves. God is always by your side. God is always there. He's ready to hear you. You know, we have, I know even I have had those moments where I, I say to myself, doesn't anybody even care what's going on? And I hate to say that, but I mean, I've had those moments. You've had those moments. We've all had those moments where you felt like nobody understands, nobody knows what's going on. They don't know what's happening. I know that, like I said, we have a hard time sometimes understanding and submitting to the will of God. Sometimes we want to do it our way. When God's left instructions in His Word of what to do, whenever things, these things come against you, the very best thing you can do is go before God and pray. Now, if you really listen, God will lead you, He will guide you, He will instruct you, and the very best thing for you to do. This morning, I woke up, and I was up at 3 o'clock. Wide awake, I go down to my office, and from about 3 to about 6 o'clock that morning, I was down there with God. Talking with Him, praying, worshiping Him, thanking Him, praying for this church, praying for you and what you're going through. It's like little Francis here. Like I said, she's 96 years old. She's having a lot of difficulties right now getting around. Her legs won't hardly hold her up anymore. She has to use a walker continuously. Her family really don't want her out because of this virus and her condition. She's got heart problems. She's got breathing problems. She's got all kinds of problems now that has come up on her. I've known Francis for years. I've been with her constantly at hospitals, heart doctors, you name it. I've taken her to the hospitals and to the doctors. Francis and I are pretty close. I know what she's going through. And finally, I had the, her had her daughters tell me, well, if you want to, you can go see 
So Monday, if everything works just right, I'm going to be at Francis's house. Talking to her, giving her comfort. See, this was, Francis wasn't to go to her own daughter's funeral. And I want to be there. I just want to pray with her. I want to talk with her. I just want to assure her that everything's okay. We know where Donna's at. She is in heaven. And when I did that funeral, I stressed that to the family that I know where Donna's at. I've been with Donna in the hospitals. I've talked with her. I know what her view and her, her, her point of view was about God and that she loved him. She, so, like I said, we're all going through things that uh, we're hurting especially with everything that's going on in this world today and all the meanness and the hate. And, you know, we're torn. We're torn about things in this world. What's going to happen? What's going to take place? The only thing that's going to take place is what God's already ordained to happen. The next thing on the agenda really should be the rapture of the church. Now, we don't know exactly when it's going to come, but one day, God's going to look over there at his son, sitting at his right hand, and he's just simply going to say, Son, go get my church. And you know, this is going to happen. The Bible tells us this will happen in the twinkling of an eye, a blink of an eye, that this is going to take place. We will be in heaven before all of this real, real problems hit the earth. A lot of people think that uh, it's all going to be Middle East. No, it's going to be worldwide, all over the whole world. But God's going to take his church home. Like I've told you before, if you read over in Revelations and you get past the, the third chapter of Revelations, the church is not mentioned anymore until later on to rather judgment. Why? Why are they talking about the church through the tribulation? Simply because the church is not here. We're in heaven. While all that meanness and all that trouble is going on, you're in heaven. You're not going through it. I hope we're all prepared that when Jesus comes back and that trumpet sounds, I hope you're ready to go. Because that's, it's, like I said, it's going to happen so fast, it's going to be in the twinkling of an eye. It's what the Bible tells us. That's how fast it's going to happen, and we're going to be out of this place. You know, like I said, there's so many people right here in this church right now that are hurting. Many of you I know and I know what's going on in your life. I know your hurts. Some of you I don't. But those of you that I do know, I want to assure you that you are being prayed for each and every day. That God's hand will be upon you. And he will guide you. He will lead you. He will give you his peace and his comfort. But you know there's something you're going to have to do. You're going to have to submit to the will of God. 
You're going to have to submit to God in order for him to work in your life and do what he wants you to do. If you're sitting there arguing with God, fighting against God, it's not going to happen. God wants our, our he wants us to submit to him. He knows what you're going through. He knows your hurts. And he wants to heal those hurts. He only wants the best for us. But like I say, it's up to us as to what God does in our life by us submitting to him and saying, yes, God, I submit to you and I submit to your will. <clears throat> you know, if you have been through these things, maybe you have some idea of the agony and the anger that Jesus went through that night in Gethsemane. You say, anger? Jesus had anger? Yes, he did. What was he anger about? What was he angry? What, what was his anger? His anger was at the sin of this world. Because it was the sin of this world that caused Jesus to be there in that garden. It was the sin of this world that caused Jesus' death. It was sin that brought Jesus to this earth. He was angry about what it was doing to the people. He was angry about the hurt that sin caused people. And see, when we had that sin in our life, we were separated from God. We were separated from God. Our prayers would not reach God. But until Christ came and reconciled us back to God, when he died on that cross and took our sins upon himself and we said yes to Jesus, then we were reconciled back to God and those prayers of ours, God then heard. And he's still listening to them today if you're a child of God. He's still listening. See, Hebrews tells us Jesus listens to us when we go through things. Listen to what he says here in Hebrews uh, chapter 4, verse 15 through 16. Now, Jesus is our high priest. And he understands our weaknesses and what we're going through in this life. Look at this here. It says, here in verse 15, it says, For we do not have a high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points or in all ways tempted as we are but without sin. You mean Jesus was tempted? Yes, he was. He was tempted. But he fought temptation. He was without sin. Even though he was tempted, he never gave in to it, and he never sinned. Y'all remember in the desert, whenever Satan come against him, Jesus had been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. What was the first thing that Satan come against him with? Food. He said, oh, he's got to be hungry. Forty days, forty nights without food? What did the devil say? First of all, he was testing Jesus. He said, if, if you be the Son of God, then turn these stones into bread. Just like Satan comes against us. If, if, he's trying to make you doubt. Just like he was trying to make Jesus doubt. If. 
But Jesus answered him. He said, For it is written in the word of God that man shall not live by bread alone, but for every word that proceeds God. You fight temptation, you fight Satan with the written word of God. That's how, that's how Jesus fought it. He said, for it is written, God says, and this is what I do, is what God says. Satan left him. Oh, he'll come back, but he will leave you for a period or for a time, but then he will return. And then here in verse 16, it says, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in our help and our time of need. He says when you have that time of need, when you're hurting, when you're suffering, when you're crying, and you are hurting so bad, come boldly. He don't mean to come with a belligerent attitude, but to come humbly before the throne of God. And let God know what your problem is, which God already knows it. But when we come to God and we confess with our mouth the problems that we're going through, God hears us. God is so full of grace, so full of mercy, so full of love that he hears everything that you're going through. And the thing about it is God has the ability to do something about it. He has that ability that he can change your situation. He can make things so much better in your life. You know, uh, I want you to think about something. Jesus, who was the Son of God, he was God. He was omnipresent. Oh, excuse me, omniscient. In other words, he was all-knowing. He knew everything that was going to happen. So therefore... He was fully aware of all the suffering and the pain of that crucifixion that he was fixing to go through. If you knew what you was going to go through, would you make other choices than something else? We would. If we knew that something we'd done was going to cause us pain, hurt, You'd change your mind. You'd do something else other than go through that. But he knew that he was going to go through it by himself. See, he knew that his disciples would abandon him. They weren't going to be there for him. He knew Judas would betray him. He knew Peter was going to deny him. You know, and Peter, Peter, he hadn't, they hadn't been that long when he was talking to Jesus, he said, Hey, all these other guys may leave you and desert you, but I'll die with you. Peter had good intentions. He just couldn't fulfill them. He had good intentions, but he just couldn't fulfill them. Jesus looked at him and said, Peter, you will deny me three times before the rooster crows. The night that Peter, <coughs> the night that Peter denied Jesus, on that third time, Peter heard it. 
he heard a rooster crow. And then Peter remembered what Jesus had told him. It said that Peter went out and he wept bitterly, uncontrollably, because of what he had done. Oh, he didn't think he'd ever deny Jesus. Let me ask you a question. How many of you at one time have denied Christ? Maybe somebody said something. Maybe somebody asked you a question. Maybe you, oh, wait a minute, I don't want them to know that, that I have Jesus in my life. Oh, I don't, I, I don't know anything about that. Where's your boldness? Somebody asked you something about Jesus. You said, yes, that's my Lord and that's my Savior. Confess who He is in your life. You want things to happen in your life? You want that peace? You want that comfort? Let Christ get in there and take care of it. He will take care of it for you. You know, Jesus being all-knowing, he knew what was going to happen. He knew that when he got to that, before he went over on that cross, those Romans were going to rip his back open with a whip. He knew they was going to take and press a crown of thorns into his head. They was going to beat him, spit in his face, curse him, and then crucify him. But yet... He still went through to the cross knowing all of that was going to happen. He knew it was going to happen. But yet, his love for each one of us was so great and so strong that none of that deterred him from going to that cross. We better be glad he didn't. We better be glad his love was so strong. I'm sure glad it wasn't Peter that was going to have to go to that cross because he wouldn't have went. But you know, I think the way the Bible and thing talks, probably the worst of all was Jesus knew that all the sins of the world were going to be placed upon him. That night, all the sins, just before he went to the cross, were going to be placed upon him. And the moment that those sins were placed upon Christ, it never happened before. And it'll never happen again. The Father had to turn his face away from his own son. He had to look away as his son was on that cross, dying for us. Why did he have to look away? Because the Bible says, for God cannot look upon sin. And the sins of the world had been poured out on Jesus. And Jesus and God had to look away from Jesus. And while Jesus was on that cross, that's why he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus knew that God had forsaken him. He knew that God had turned his face from him for the very simple reason that Jesus had all the sins of the world on him. But praise God, the moment that blood started flowing from Jesus, it covered those sins. It covered no sin. For it says in the Bible, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission or there is no forgiveness of sin. So till the blood flowed, the sins were still there. When Jesus died, 
those sins that were poured out on him died with him. We've been set free. We've been set free by the blood of Christ, by his love, by the cross. We have been set free. You know, I can just imagine. Can you imagine the grief that Jesus went through and he felt when all this was going on? We can't even begin to imagine what Jesus was feeling. The Bible tells us over in Isaiah 53, it says that Jesus was a man of sorrows and he was acquainted with grief. Jesus had a lot of grief in his life. Why? Because of you and me. The things that he had to die for, the things that he had to go through to set us free. It caused him pain. It caused him grief. You know, but the sorrow Jesus experienced that night in Gethsemane before his crucifixion seemed to be, that seemed like that was the greatest sorrow he had. But they would come, those sorrows would come to an end the next day. For Jesus would die for the sins of the world. One of the greatest victories that ever took place would be at Calvary. You say, one of the victories? Well, the victory of the cross and salvation... And then there was the victory that Jesus went on his resurrection. When Jesus was resurrected, that was showing us that we all too, through him, shall be resurrected. We have eternal life through Christ. Through his resurrection and our faith and our belief in him, we also will have eternal life. That's why I was thinking about the funerals. I am so Glad to say that every one of the funerals I have done, every one of them knew Jesus Christ. I knew where they were. I knew that they had gone to heaven. Walter felt that not long ago when Jimmy passed away. But Walter also knew, and Don and Trish and all of them knew where Jimmy was. And they know they're going to see her again someday. All of us, they have loved ones that have died and gone on, if they knew Jesus Christ and you've accepted Jesus Christ, you also one day will see all your loved ones again. You talk about a reunion. That is going to be a reunion like you would not believe. You know, we have reunions here. You know, every so often, you know, you get together. I know at, at uh, Linda's mom and dad, they used to, every year, just about, they would have a reunion. People would come in from Houston and here and there, and there would be a bunch of people. It was a great reunion. There was barbecue, and there was, and you talk about some of the tallest tales I ever heard in my life, and I knew they were, I knew they were sitting there lying. But, I mean, it, it, it was great, because we were all having such a good time. But you don't know the time and the joy that you're going to have in heaven. When you see those loved ones that have gone on ahead of you and you walk up there, you're going to recognize them right away and they're going to know who you are. That's going to be a reunion that you will never, ever forget. You're going to have it just about every day. It's going to be something else. It's going to be great. You know, uh, Jesus, the night of Gethsemane, you know, 
Jesus told Peter, James, and John, he took those to the garden with him. As they walked into the garden, you'll find this in Mark 14, 34. Jesus told them something. He said, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful and even to death. Stay here and watch. Stay here and watch what Jesus was saying. Stay here and pray. That's what watch was. Stay here and wait for me as I go to the Father and talk to him alone. Stay here. Watch. Stay here and pray. Jesus saw in anger that night was very strong. As a matter of fact, they said it even threatened Jesus' life. Remember what the Bible said? It said that he sweated great drops of blood. His sweat had turned into blood. And they say this can actually happen. They say the, the arteries or the collaboratories in your body will bust. Mix, intermingle, mix with the sweat, and come out of you. They say that's very common. But Jesus was under such a stress of pleasing the Father, doing what he knew he had to do, that his sweat began to turn into great drops of blood. That's what he was going through that night. He, and those drops of blood started as he thought about bearing the full wrath of God against sin. God poured out all of his wrath upon Jesus. He didn't hold it back. A lot of people think, well, I know, whenever Jesus went to the cross, God didn't let him feel the pain or anything. No. When Jesus came to earth, remember, he came to be as we are. He was human, but he was also deity. But he went through every bit of the pain that you would go through if that was you on that cross. He knows what it was like. He knew what it would be like, but yet he still went. He still went because of his love for you. And it said that uh, as, 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 as Jesus thought about this, said about bearing God's full wrath against sin, it said Jesus fell to the ground and began to pray. And they said this was not a quiet prayer. He was praying very loudly, very sincerely. Jesus was praying in anger at sin. Here in Hebrews 5, 7, it tells us, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up his prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears, unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared that he feared or that, that, that he reverenced he worshipped God like I said this was not a quiet prayer it was a desperate prayer with strong crying and tears it wasn't a, just a quiet little prayer no it was a loud, strong prayer. Did you know 
that the word Gethsemane means, olive press. In that garden, that's where they would take and press the olives and make oil. That night, it's just so such a coincidence that Jesus was pressed to the limits to bring salvation to the people. He had so much coming against him. They were they was, they was trying to get Jesus to deny, but he would not do it. I don't think that we can even begin to realize or to feel what Jesus felt and what he was going through that night at Gethsemane. I don't think we can do that. His hurt, and it was so strong and so bad, I, I, I don't think we can begin to imagine because we've never been through it. Oh, we've got hurt in our lives, but we have never been hurt like this. But this hurt we got in our lives, God wants to do something about it. Like I said, there are some here today who at a point of your life that you feel like you're going through your own personal garden, Gethsemane, that you're going through it, that you've got things going on in your life that is coming against you, that is hurting you, that you need relief, that you need to get rid of this pain, you need to get rid of this hurt out of your life. You know, you know who you are. I know who some of you are. And God wants to do something in your life. He wants to touch your life. He wants to change your life. He wants to take away the pain. He wants to take away your hurt. Like I said, there's another, I look around. I see a number of people I know that are going through things right now. Like I said, I see Becky back here. I know what she's going through. Lynn, I see what she's going through. Even Walter, the family, are still hurting for their loss. There's some of us in here that our loved ones are not with us right now. They're somewhere else. We miss them. But we still have that hurt for them. We want to change it. Mandy, she's going through some things right now. She's hurting. And God's going to touch her, too. He is going to heal these hurts. That, you know, that's something we have to do. We have to be willing to submit to God and say, God, not my will be done, but your will. See, that's what Jesus did. He said, he, he asked God, he said, God, if there's any other way, but not my will, but yours. Let your will be done in my life. God's will is to heal you, to take away your hurts, to change you, to make you a stronger person, to make you understand how much he loves you. We cannot, I, I really don't think all of us understand how much that God loves us. Let me ask you, would you went through what Jesus did for anybody? You might go through it for your wife or your children. I don't know. 
But Jesus went through it for everybody. For every single one of us. Would you be willing to say right now, Lord, I'm submitting to you. You know what you'd be doing? You'd be doing, like I said, saying the very same things that Jesus did. Not my will, Lord, but your will be done in my life. And I'm going to tell you what, if you will make this decision, it'll be a decision you'll never regret making. You'll never regret making that decision. Lord, let your will be done in my life. Because God only wants the best for you. He wants the best for you. I know some of you, like I said, are going through a difficult time. But it will be so much better if you will just allow God plan for your life to take effect. God's not going to force His plan or His will on you. That has to be something that you do yourself. Ask God, God, let your will be done. Let your will be done in my life that I may serve you. God's plans for us are good. You see, like it says there in Jeremiah 29, 11, the thoughts that God thinks toward you, the thoughts of peace, not of evil, and to give you a future and a hope. God's plans for you are good. They're not evil. It's to give you a future. It's to give you a hope. That's what God wants to do in your life. In our times of uncertainty and in those times when we think that everyone has forgotten us and that no one cares, we've all been there. Remember that Jesus has been there, he's done that, and he's here for you right now. He's here for you right now to take care of your pain and your hurts. He knows your needs, and he's ready to supply all those needs according to his will in Christ Jesus. He says he will meet all of our needs according to his will in Christ Jesus. He'll meet your needs. God's plans for you are so much better than the plans you have for yourself. Today, would you let God's will be into your life? Will you say yes to God? I'm going to ask the band to come up. But the love of Christ for us is just so strong. If we would just accept that love... Your whole life could change. You would, have, you would have so many of your needs met. We are right now, many of us, are fighting the will of God for your life. A lot of us are arguing with God. God, I don't want to do that, but I know what's best for you. But God, how many of us are sitting there arguing with God about what he wants? The thing to do is say yes to God because God said yes to you on that cross. He knows what you need. He's here for you. If you're here today and you've got hurts, you've got needs, we have an altar here and God is here today to meet you, to take care of those needs if you will just come to him. Come to him with your heart. Believe. Nothing 
is impossible for God. Nothing. He can do all things in your life. He can do all things. And he wants to. But you just have to let him. You have to let him. If you're here today and you have a need, we have an altar that you can come up here to. Just humbly, graciously say, Lord, I submit my will to you. I submit to you and asking you to take care of my needs, to come into my life and to guide me in your path of righteousness that you want me to walk. If you're here today, please, don't leave until you come before God and ask him to help you. He wants to help you. So I'm going to ask the band to play. And if you've got a need, I'll be glad to pray with you. Or we got the altar that you can just come up here and just pour your heart out.